Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Around the world, back again. That's the sailor's way. Faster. keep on rowing and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing thank you matt from the decaying with the boys podcast for that amazing rendition of the final boat scene from willy wonka and the chocolate factory be sure to check out the decaying with the boys podcast for all things wrestling and beer and so much more here we are. Here we are. Sugar-coated murder podcast. I'm Karen. I'm Ann Varner. I'm Karen Devaney then. <laughs> I mean, I know we were doing last names. Be who you want to be. Oh, I am. Oh, jeez, oh, you scared me already. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, hello. It's still October. Boo. And we still have some October type things mm-hmm. that we need to do. We do. We do. We do. We, we do. do. First things first, it's my week to bake. Yes. So I was thinking of all the different things that I might want to bake. And then I was like, hmm, what can I make with Baileys? Because I love <laughs> Baileys. Especially <laughs> this new S'mores Baileys. Oh. Hey, Baileys, we need a sponsor. Really? The S'mores Baileys is amazing. Yes. So I use that S'mores Bailey. <laughs> Baileys, mm-hmm. and I put it in some brownies. I'm excited, and for I'm this. calling them boozy brownies. I'm in freaking. I'm a freaking excited. Yeah, I found a recipe that I, I altered a little bit. This calls for two packages of brownie mix. Um, it, it basically, it's your brownie stuff doubled. I cut it in half and just used one box of brownie mix mm-hmm. with a with my one third cup of vegetable oil, and instead of the water, you use a half a cup of Baileys. Girl, a half a cup. It is a lot. You would think not so much, but it is a lot. I mean, when I opened that oven door, yeah, it was like alcohol pouring out. I love it. So I know it didn't. It didn't bake out completely. It's great news. That's going to go really well with our adult apple cider that we're drinking. (laughs) Right. That's exactly right. So for this recipe, you also make a Bailey's Irish cream frosting to go on top. But I thought it might just be too sweet. I am. I am such a plain purist brownie person. Right. I just don't like a frosting on my. I don't like a frosting no, on my brownie. That's fine. That's I don't fine. like it. I don't Good like news a, is I did like, put one on there. I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I'm, what I I'm found the Halloween say. sprinkle to make it festive. Yes, they're so festive. So, I can't wait for y'all to see. When this I pulled picture. them out, I did for one minute think, well, I'll just pop a marshmallow on top, and then try to brown it in the oven. Then I thought, mm, no. 
We're no, stopping this right is here. Fun. I mean, you've got the booze in it. That's it, all that yeah. matters. And it's very festive with these sprinkles. Can't wait for y'all to see them. Oh my gosh, so cute. But you have to wait until we're further into the podcast to try it. I understand. And now you've put them right in front of my yes, face. Yes, because I don't want to have to get up again. I know. Look at us. We're so lazy. Girl is tired. You know why you're tired? Because I work full time. And we're writing a book. And we're writing a book. And it takes a lot of mental energy to so write much. that book. Like when you get a, a message that says, I need this ASAP. And you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't I'm know. sitting there working on charters for work. Like I'm, I'm drafting... <laughs> like software charters and then all of a sudden I, you know it's like we i need this right now and and you're in the car with your kids somewhere and i'm like dude you gotta call me <laughs> and then you're saying i don't have anything in my head right it now but it was blank there was just blank. yeah it was all blank so, but it's okay it's all going for a good cause yeah. because we are very we're getting closer and closer every day to getting this book out on the market lord yeah birdie told me it's gonna be real soon i hope so I hope that birdie won't lie to me. Don't lie to me, Don't lie, Bertie. Don't, lie, Bertie. don't, don't be a lying birdie now. No, we're going like to manifest that. it right up. We're yes, going to we manifest are. it. That book is coming. I can't wait. Like a freight train. Freight train. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, we are, um, we've got some imbibements mm-hmm. that we're enjoying. And we are back to the bourbon and apple cider over crushed ice. It is just so you refreshing. You were a little heavy-handed on the bourbon tonight. But I, I also haven't eaten since... This afternoon. Well, that was your that mistake. That went right to my 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 face because yeah. my face is like I feel like I've been under a uh, like a French fry under a heat lamp yeah, all day. It's red already. Now I know how the French fries feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You should have planned better. Uh-uh. You should have had yourself. I a, don't mind being an easy drunk. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, well, we don't we'll wait. see how the story goes. We don't use so much liquor. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I'm an easy drunk. That's right. Because it's October. And we're doing spooky things. Super spooky. Um, I, you remember our friend Bruce that took I us do, out on the Yorktown? I think I remember him. Yes. Remember, remember that time we went on the Yorktown with Bruce <laughs> like last, last week? week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think he'll never forget it, even though he wants to. Yeah. We were asking him about other places to go that we could go, you know, that we wouldn't need a guide or whatever. And so he told us that we needed to go to the Magnolia Cemetery, mm-hmm. which sounded like a great idea. But because we're so busy, we cannot get there. And it closes at five. Who can be Who can be there I at can't five be o'clock? anywhere at five o'clock. No. That is just, that is not a good hour for me. No. So instead, what he has done, because he is such a stand-up dude, he sent me three different stories of ghosts that haunt that cemetery yes and um of course he writes i did I not read he, the stories but i did see the pictures and just the pictures yes. alone scared the i cannot wait to put this picture these pictures up here because it's chilling i yeah. mean we have to go see these at some point it's just cannot be at five o'clock it's a big fat no for me i'm uh, good even at like 9 a.m when they open i'm still good these are really creepy pictures they are really creepy I'm so good. can't wait for people to see them but anyway i don't know if he copied and pasted this from like a place and or if he wrote this because he's a writer and he writes so well that i won't i wouldn't be able to tell right so i'm just gonna i'm gonna just I'm going to talk about them. Talk about the stories. Yeah. So let's the, see what you got. I'm going to see what I'm going to no, see what I yeah, got. Have another sip of something and then let's see what you got. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come to mama. <laughs> We're going to talk about the creepy grave of Rosalie Raymond White. I like that name, Rosalie. Me too. I like it. 
In the cemetery, there is a grave that looks like a pram or a baby carriage. Oh, yeah. They used to call them prams. Well, I think they prams. still call them prams in jolly old England. The wheels have long been broken off. This is the grave of Rosalie Raymond White. She is a child of Blake and Rosalie White who would lose five of their eight children. Oh, my God. That's so tragic. Four of whom did not make it to one year old. Oh, no. Oh. The graves of all of those children line the front of the family plot. The most unique is that of little Rosalie. Hmm. Rosalie was the second of the eight children and was born and died in 1882 from cyanosis. Oh, my. It was known as the blue disease because oh. it causes circulatory problems that leads to poor oxygen. oxygen oh, shit. Oh, here we go. Here we go. That's a more than two syllables, dude. You cannot do this to me. Oxygenation. Oxygenation. I got oh, you it. got it. Oxygenation of blood in the lungs and thus a blue color of the skin mm. to its victims. Oh, my. Upon her passing, a death mask was cast of her face. Oh, my God. I'm going to get one of those. Uh, you go right <laughs> To hang in your house after no, I'm gone. No. No. <laughs> That's a big fat no. I'm going to stick it in your bathroom no. right above the toilet. <laughs> no. God, No. <laughs> No, I don't need you there. I don't need you there at all. As far as we know, this is the only death mask of a child on a grave in the United States. Wow. In other words, a plaster or gel mold was made of the dead child's face, and then a death mask was made. Oh, my God. What you're actually seeing is the dead child's face permanently captured in death. Lord have mercy. The next three graves after Rosalie are the children who died in infancy. The long grave belongs to Raymond White, who died at 15 from appendicitis. Died from appendicitis. Back in the 1800s? Yeah, back then. Life was rough. It was rough. Gee whiz. I mean, getting to the finish line, you just, it was rough getting there. It was a a tough toil. I mean, if you made it past 15, you were in good shape. I'm serious. No wonder they got married so early. Yeah. Like, if I'm 16 years old, I'm like, hurry up and get me married. Let's go. And let me push out some kids, because I'm probably going to die in two Exactly. And I will die at a ripe old age of 18. <laughs> and people will be like, wow, wow can't believe she, she made it so that far. Old. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret. Sometimes folks report seeing a very tall man dressed in a Confederate uniform holding the hand of a little girl dressed in her best dress. Aww. They stroll around the area heading toward the Hunley gravesite. This is the area along the Cooper River looking at the harbor with the Ravenel Bridge and the backdrop. Oh, but that's lovely. We should go see. I'm good. Oh, my God. Is anybody listening? <laughs> Somebody please go with me to these places because she won't go. Whatever. I go. I've she gone to every go. single place you've asked me to go. Okay, so you'll go here. Whatever. Okay, I can't wait. If one approaches them, they disappear. Oh. This is Margaret and her father. Oftentimes, Margaret appears to be soaking wet. Why? Well, shortly after the war, wait Margaret... Wait a minute. Have we moved on to a new family? We're done with the Rosalie? I'm assuming that Rosalie... That was the end of Rosalie. That was it. Okay. She's got the death mask. Okay. I didn't know if, if the dad was walking know. through with some little girl and she was wet. I, it, it I think we're on to a new ghost. Okay. All okay. right. I'm good So with maybe it. I should have been like, new ghost. New ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready? Yes. New ghost. Okay. Middle of the new ghost. Okay. So she's soaking wet. Shortly after the war... Margaret and her brother, Charlie, accompanied their father as he paid respect to his fallen comrades. Margaret was playing on the banks of the Cooper River while her brother fished. Charlie began to tease Margaret as she played with her favorite doll, Bluebell. 
Charlie took the doll and began taunting her. Oh, Charlie. When Margaret began to cry, Charlie walked over and returned the doll, but he stumbled and dropped Bluebell, who fell into the river. Oh, no. Before Charlie could stop Margaret, she jumped in to get the doll and was caught up in the current and went under. Oh, no. Charlie called for his father, who ran as fast as he could and dove in, but it was too late. Mm. Margaret was gone. Mm. When she eventually surfaced and was located, the dead child was clutching Bluebell the doll. Oh, she got her. That's she good. Got her. That's good. Margaret was interred on James Island in a family grave. She was grave. what? Interred. Interred? Not, she's not interred. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interned. It's interred. I think it's interred. Okay. Okay. She's in a turd. <laughs> She got a turd. Bless her. <laughs> oh, Margaret, you got a turd. I'm sorry, babe. Okay. I don't know. Internment. Oh, it's interned. <laughs> <laughs> Way to sound it out. <laughs> and this is why we are going to sell so many books. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, because we've written exactly like we speak. <laughs> our editor would love that. <laughs> Maybe yeah. she should not listen to our podcast. Maybe we need to put this in the sugar-coated murder dictionary. <laughs> Interred. When you're shit out of luck and you die. Interred. That's right. <laughs> anyway, she was interned on James Island in a family grave, according to the legend. But her spirit and that of her grieving father haunt the Magnolia Bless Cemetery. Bless her. So she's not even buried there? No, but oh. that's where she done, she she done, bit, she done did it. Wow. She done did the deed. Wow, wow. And her daddy... He's he's very grief stricken. Of course, because and he's walking up and down the banks, holding her hand, and she's well. He gets her. He gets her. Yeah, but she was dead. She was blue as bluebell. Right. I'm sorry for her though. That's a very sad story. Rest in peace, Margaret. R.I.P. Margaret, and your and your ditty, and your little bluebell, and your ditty. But Charlie, you damn scoundrel! Scoundrel. I I bet he felt so bad. Poor Charlie. I know you. He should. I mean, I'm not saying he should feel bad. He's. I'm. I mean, there's All no. Right. I mean, I'm just. We are saying. not speaking ill of the dead. Charlie, you're an asshole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, new ghost. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I think that's new great. Ghost. Take yes. a drink. Okay. <laughs> Holy flipping moly. Mm. Okay, here we go. This is about little Annie. Oh, I almost said Anne Klein. Oh no, <laughs> not her. Oh, these that the words are moving bad. around. The letters are switching up on me. If I need to me. take over, just let me no, know. No, no, I'm good. Little Annie Aiken. Oh, there we go. Wanting some bacon. No, it's not. <laughs> Little Annie's favorite game was playing hide and seek with her parents, Joseph and Ellen Aiken. Oh. In 1856, Annie developed a cough, <laughs> and a gray mucus began to form oh, in her God, throat. Oh, Annie. Ew. Oh, God. Honey. What the? That is not okay. Was she a smoker? Maybe. I don't <laughs> What happened to Annie? Mm. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Okay, so her doctor diagnosed her with diphtheria. Oh, no, not the dip. It's she got the, <laughs> not the drip. <laughs> no, I said the dip. The dip. Yes. I just didn't want anybody to stay. To I don't think anybody heard an R for me. <laughs> I said the dip. But I thought it would be funny if you said the drip. I didn't, though. So I just took that in my mind. <laughs> And be honest with you. Be honest. <laughs> there we go. Be honest with you. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, it's fine. All right, y'all. little Annie's got the drip. No, no, no she, damn it! Oh, no. 
You know man. what? Now you've said that this child has an STD. You said you it take first. That back. You you're getting me all mixed up here. It's Poor not little Annie has the dip. She got the diphtheria, which is a disease that killed over half the people that contracted it. So it was a killer. That's a killer. Within a few days, little Annie passed away. One month shy of her third birthday. Oh my word! Bless her little heart. Oftentimes, people re- will report seeing a small child in a white dress playing among the tombstones. Oh. The dress is embroidered with little yellow flowers. Oh, That's really sweet. As they become concerned and follow her, she leads them deeper into the cemetery in a game of hide and seek until she tires and vanishes. Oh. She's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm done with you. Get the hell out. Often when you visit her grave and are mesmerized by the statue of the sleeping girl that adorns the top. That's kind of creepy, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, I, I don't like it. Okay, well, keep on okay, with the story because you're the only one looking at the picture. You may feel Annie's cold little hand grasp yours. Oh, my god! Or tug at your clothing. No. Quite frequently, you can hear her laugh and giggle as she's playing <laughs> hide and seek with you. Oh, my goodness. She's going to touch you in your sleep tonight. She better not. I will backhand that bitch. I don't give a shit how old don't she was when she that. died. Mama. Listen, I'll bleep that out. Mama will never know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I said elf. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't don't touch me with your cold, dead hands. That's going to unnerve me, and I'm not going to be appreciative. No. I'm not going to be hospitable. Really? No. If you touch me with your cold, dead hands and giggle... Even if you were, like, having a hot flash or something? No. Mm-mm. Still no? Mm-mm. All right. Not if it's cold dead. <laughs> or dead cold. <laughs> Damn it. I got that one wrong. Too. Son of a bitch. Oh, God. Here we go. What's the next? Do we have a next guest? I don't have any more. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for joining Sugar Kid and Murder Podcast, your 15-minute podcast for the evening. This has been your 12-minute break. Oh, my God. Good it's Lord okay. Mercy. We can talk about other things. What are we going to talk about? Mermaids? <laughs> no, that's what you do when you go poop. I ta- no. <laughs> I talked about mermaids oh, last that's time. Right. Well, not last time. Last time we were on the Yorktown. The Yorkton. Oh, right, right. That was a good episode. It was fun. We had a fun time doing it. And I just... I want you to. I want you to say. <laughs> I want you to know that I thought you were a real trooper. Because I know you didn't like it. I did not enjoy it. But first... Please enjoy this superb performance of a portion of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, brought to us by Dan from Casting Views Podcast, where Dan and Lou take deep dives into the most random topics and make them fascinating. Take it away, Danny. An abridged telling of The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, read by me, Dan, from Casting Views. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived, it haunted me day and night. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. One of his eyes resembled that of a vulture, a pale blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, and so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now, this is the point. You fancy me mad, but you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. 
and every night about midnight I turned the latch off his door and opened it oh so gently. And then, when I had made an opening sufficient for my head, I put in a dark lantern all closed, closed so that no light shone out. And then, when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern. Cautiously I undid it just so much that a single thin ray fell upon the vulture eye. And this I did for seven long nights, every night, just at midnight. But I found the eye was always closed, and so it was impossible to do the work, for it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. Upon the eighth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. To think that there I was, opening the door little by little, and he not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly as if startled. Now you may think that I drew back, but no. His room was as black as pitch with the thick darkness, and so I knew that he could not see the opening of the door, and I kept pushing it on steadily, steadily. The old man sprang up in the bed, crying out, Who's there? Presently, I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was a groan of mortal terror. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it has welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in the bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him. He had been trying to fancy them causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, It's nothing but the wind in the chimney. It's only a mouse crossing the floor, or it's merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. Yes, he has been trying to comfort himself with these suppositions, but he had found all in vain. All in vain, because death, in approaching him, had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little crevice in the lantern until at length a single dim ray, like the thread of a spider, shot from out the crevice and fell upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person, but I had directed the ray as if by instinct precisely upon the damned spot. And now, have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over-acuteness of the senses? Now I say... There came to my ears a low, dull, quick sound such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury as the beating of a drum stimulates a soldier into courage. The hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say louder every moment. Do you mark me well? And now, at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror, yet for some minutes longer I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought the heart must burst, and now a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbour. The old man's hour had come. With a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leaped into the room. He shrieked once, once only. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. The deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length, it ceased. 
The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone, stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. His eye would trouble me no more. If still you think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned and I worked hastily, but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot whatever. I had been too wary for that. As the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at the street door. I went down to open it with a light heart, for what had I now to fear? There entered three men who introduced themselves with perfect suavity as officers of the police. A shriek had been heard by a neighbour during the night. Suspicion of foul play had been aroused. I smiled, for what had I to fear? I bade the gentleman welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man, I mentioned, was absent in the country. I took my visitors all over the house. I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasures, secure, undisturbed. In the enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them here to rest from their fatigues while I myself, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim. The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. They sat, and while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things, but ere long, I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached, and I fancied a ringing in my ears, but still they sat and still chatted. The ringing became more distinct. It continued and became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definitiveness until at length, I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice, yet the sound increased and what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound. I gasped for breath and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles in a high key and with violent gesticulation, but the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to fury by the observation of the men, but the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the boards, but the noise arose over all and continually increased. It grew louder, 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 and still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they heard not? Almighty God, no, no, they heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. This I thought and this I think. But anything was better than this agony. Anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die and now again hark louder, louder. Villains, I shrieked, dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks here, here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. Thank you, Dan, from Casting Views. Now let's get back to our spooky stories. There are some ghost stories of University of South Carolina. Oh, really? Yes. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about them. The University of South Carolina is in Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia. It is. Um, it's a school that is over 200 years old. So of course there's gonna be ghost stories. Every everybody got a ghost disease after. I'd say after 100 years you're sure to have a ghost. I think you deserve one after 100 years. I think if you live to be 100 years, you deserve to be the ghost. Mm-hmm. So there's a horse-shaped cluster of buildings at the heart of the university, where the lot. Li- one of the buildings is the library, and there's a museum called the McKissick Museum. McKissick? Yes. And living among the buildings are several mysterious tales. Really? Let's hear one. At the end of the horseshoe, the McKissick Museum is supposedly haunted by its namesake, James Ryan McKissick. He was a beloved president of the university until his sudden death in 1944, so much so that the University of South Carolina students successfully petitioned to have the president's body buried on the campus. Oh, my. Those who work in the museum report hearing footsteps at night and feeling of cool breezes indoors. Now, I don't mind a cool breeze. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, don't touch me with your dead cold hands. But if you're going to send a cool breeze my way, I, mean, I don't got a problem with yeah. it. Because probably at that very moment. I'm having a hot flash. Yeah. So, yeah. So, a cool breeze is appreciated. Yes. Objects mysteriously moving about are believed to be moved by the president himself, because if you've got it, haunt it. <laughs> oh, cute. That would be a cute t-shirt. Oh, my God. You're so right. There's a place called De Sousa. Okay. De Sousa. De Sa. De Sausage. Can you please spell it? D-E. Uh-huh. That's the D. Uh-huh. S-A-U-S-S-U-R-E. Saucer. Okay. Saucer? Saucer. Whatever. Whatever. It's a it's a freaking it's a building in the in the horseshoe. Yeah. It's currently used as an upperclassman dormitory and office building, but it has taken on many purposes in the past. During the Civil War, it served as a hospital and became the university's first medical school. One wing was also used during the Reconstruction era as a federal military prison. Oh, several of our students are believed to have heard the footsteps and voices of the Civil War soldiers that haunt the building. Oh, no. Yeah. Just across the horseshoe on Green Street, another campus building also upholds its seriously spooky reputation. The Long Street Theater, which most students pass by on their way to classes, holds more history than one would expect. The building now used for USC's theater and dance productions, was also used as a hospital and makeshift morgue during the Civil War. Strange things, strange, strange, strange things, strange sightings, eerie noises, and doors randomly slamming shut have scared countless witnesses. not nice that was a slamming door that was not a slamming yeah, door the door just slammed <laughs> that was terrible how, how terrifying is that terrifying that? yeah one not so ghostly and supposedly completely fictional by the way story on campus is the legend of the third eye man i beg your pardon the what excuse me <laughs> i don't know what kind of podcast you think this is <laughs> dating back to 1949 a disfigured man with a third eye has been reported to be stalking through underground utility tunnels in the city, often referred to as the catacombs. Oh, lordy. Even terrorizing students and spooking campus residents for years. Fortunately, none of the, money, money, many of these tunnels are now sealed off that, so that students can no longer access them. Bye-bye, Mr. Third Eye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who wrote this, but they're quite witty. 
So anyway, those are some good um, University of South Carolina. Yeah. Remember last week when we were downtown meeting with our friend Andrea? Yes. And we heard music over at the Blind Tiger? Yes. That place is haunted too. I know. Did you Do you have a story about it? No, don't you? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> oh my god! Did you know we have a boo hag? Yes, I do. We I have do. a boo hag. Talk, here. Tell the people what the boo hag is, because a lot of people have probably experienced it. I know that my child has experienced the boo hag. The boo hag is real, and she, she mostly really mostly goes for goes men. for men. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, according to Gullah legend, mm-hmm. there's a creature that rides the night looking for someone that they think are good candidates to steal energy from. No, this is not a vampire. We do have a vampire that lives downtown. Right. I think he's 700 years old. Something like that. I haven't seen him. I haven't either. I'm good. So, the Boo Hag is a creature that reportedly gains energy from a human's breath by riding their victims. Mm. That's why she likes men, because she likes to ride the men. <laughs> She a hoe. She a boo hag hoe. So it is. She set. does literally it lay on top. Yes, and you can't get up. And you cannot get up. Mm. And there are. And then she sucks countless stories. Then she sucks the breath out of you. Correct. Yeah. You correct. It's like what did my son described it as, like being awake on the operating room table. You're awake. You know you're awake, but you cannot move. And this this thing is on top of you. Did he feel it, it or dark. did he see it? He both. He saw it and he felt it. Okay. Right. It was a dark. A, it was a dark hag. It was a boo yeah. hag. Mm-hmm. When I when he first told me about it, and I mentioned it to our friend Andrea, she's like, "Oh yeah, that's the boo hag. Let me tell you what he should do." Mm-hmm. And then she she told me, and I said, "Next time it even starts, this is what you do." That's good. So go on, tell us about right. boo hag. So it's sad that they have no skin, which makes them red in appearance. In order for them to be less noticeable, they will steal a victim's skin and use it as long as possible. When they find someone that they wish to use, they will remove the skin. Mm. Then they get on top of the victim's chest, hold the face close to the person, and inhale the person's energy from their breath. It is said that this will induce deep sleep in the human and that they may awake tired. If, however, they fight the boo hag, the boo hag will take their skin to use it. If you ever wonder how to keep one out of your bed, put a broom beside the bed before you lie down for the night. The boo hag will become so obsessed with counting the straws in the broom that they will not have time to take your energy before the sun comes up. There you go. So, and and we do have a boo hag, and she, there have been lots of reports of the boo hag Especially in downtown, mm-hmm. especially with men, she yes. likes a she likes a strapping man. She does, but she she does not do well with authority. So no. if you if that boo hag starts to come out of the closet after you, you just need to tell her to get the f away, very sternly. You just go say, get out, get out, boo hag ho, get out, boo hag ho, or you can put a broom by your bed, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, not many of us have brooms today. My child said that it was so terrifying, he couldn't move upon sight. He felt like he was paralyzed. I completely... Did it come out of his closet? It did. And where was this? I okay. think it's the, the place that he lived prior to where he is living now. Okay. Well... Um, and it has not happened since. Good, good, good. But they look for, you know, anybody in a vulnerable state or... Yes. Yes, they weak. do. They prey on the weak. Not that my child is weak. No, but he wasn't having a weak moment. He was having a weak moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if they've been dealing with, like, anxiety or depression, depression. or yeah. anything like that, then she sees that as a weakness. And she'll, yes. Um, it's real. 
It's real, y'all. The boo so hag is have real. have you heard of Crybaby Bridge? I have not heard of the Crybaby Bridge. Well, according to this, everyone knows the legend oh. of Crybaby Bridge. Well, so. I don't know the Crybaby Bridge. Well, oh, wait. Is that the one that we were talking about the other night where the car drove off it? No. Okay. No. So know. this is in Anderson, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Is the most famous one in South Carolina. There are quite a few in South Carolina and nationwide. Of I guess crybaby bridges got a lot of crybaby bridges. Maybe they were on sale. What is a crybaby bridge? So this particular bridge has quite a history. It was originally built in Virginia in hmm. 1919 and brought to Charleston, and then in 1952 was moved to Anderson. There are a few different ways this story goes, but the most popular is that there was an accident late one night. A mother lost her baby to the flow of the river. It is said if you go on this bridge late at night, you can hear the crying of the baby. And if you're lucky, you may even see the mother walking up and down the bridge searching for the child she lost. Oh, my. I don't feel like that would be lucky to see her. No, my golly, no. I would wreck. I would, too. If I saw a woman walking along the bridge at night. I'd be like, ma'am, are you okay? And if she disappeared, I'd, I'd be like, holy woo! shit. Lord, yeah, I'd step on it, and then I'd go. get a speeding ticket, and then yeah. I got to explain to the cop. The I was on the crybaby bridge, and I saw the crybaby mama. That'd be so Pray, bad. The crybaby mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Steve, a crybaby we'd mama. come in and, and soil the story of the crybaby of South Carolina. We are terribly sorry for all the historians oh, out there. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, it, it's fun to say that. <laughs> That's a lot of stories. I feel like we covered a lot. I cannot wait. There has been there have been several Bigfoot sightings in South Carolina of late. There have been. There I've was been one really in August, and then another one just in this month. Yeah, I was. And been some of so them have shocked. been Class A sightings, which means no other animal or creature. All other animals and creatures have been ruled out. Wow. Yes, and then you know the Class B is when you hear, mm. and there have been two of those so far. When some somebody heard the knocks. I knew the utility worker. Yeah, heard the and then knocks. somebody else heard knocks and calls. Right. In a different, whole different area. I mean, this Bigfoot is getting around. Yeah. Like all over our state. Yeah. But he's, that's kind of cool. He's looking for you. I know. So I just wish that somebody would dress their kids up for us like little Sasquatches for Halloween. I think that would be so adorable. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Or even their pet. That'd be cute. Like uh, a dog that's a Sasquatch. Yeah, that would be cute. <gasps> that'd be adorable. Yeah. 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 Get on it, y'all. All Send right. us pictures. I'm going to need a brownie because I am drunk. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Give yeah. me a boozy brownie. Have a boozy brownie. Take the one right on top, To sugar. sober up. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Should we oh, say split smell? One? No. No. Ah, they smell so good. I can right. smell the Baileys. Right? Uh-huh. You of would course, think... it's the s'mores Baileys, y'all. So that's why we can smell it so you good. You would think that it would it would bake out, but it mm-hmm. didn't bake out. It did not bake out, y'all. Oh, yeah. Right? Good. You can very clearly taste that. You are without a doubt the brownie queen. Oh, sugar shucks. You are. That's real sweet. There's no sense to me ever trying to make one. Oh, that's <laughs> very convenient. <laughs> Since everybody in our family likes them. I know. And I always say, just let Yaya know. <laughs> She'll make you some brownies. She's the best at it. She got the best recipes. You're terrible. <laughs> You're terrible. Well, guys. That's it. Golly gee darn I'm it. Drunk. <laughs> It's like 7 o'clock. We are tired. Yeah, I know. Boo, y'all. Boo, (laughs) y'all. We hope that everybody out there has a safe and festive week. And we hope that everybody stays sweet and they don't murder. Because if you kill people, 
we will talk about you and we might even call you a boo hag ho. Oh my God, don't be a boo hag ho. <laughs> but if you're going to be a boo hag, you might as well just be a boo hag, boo hag ho. <laughs> Me as well. I don't see why not. All right, y'all. Hit us up on social media. You know oh, where yeah. we are. Do we need to tell them? Well, just so in case. I think the biggest thing is for us to get email. We've not gotten email from anybody in it's so long. It's been a while. I feel like we might. this might be something that's just you and me. <laughs> Maybe. That's okay, though. We feel like that at times, and then we hear we from do. people, and we're like, we're still listening. And we know people are listening because people mention oh, that's our true. episodes when that's we have true. conversations. That's true, when they, are, when they say People get stuff. busy. Sometimes you don't have I time. understand. I'm just saying, if you have it's a minute, like drop us a line, because you know we are insecure little creatures. Well, and <laughs> old-fashioned, right? Yeah. So old-fashioned, because people are like, get me up on Insta. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to send an email anymore. It's like that dang commercial, the insurance commercial <laughs> with the older guys trying to teach the younger people. People not to be like I their parents. Love those commercials, and it's really it's scary because they time. nail us every time. And our kids are like, "Have y'all seen that new commercial?" I mean, it's the other so day new. he was talking about the phone call. One of them made a, made a phone call and left a voicemail message. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I, I personally love. I would rather a phone call. Me like, too. I can't tell you how many times I've told my child just just call, don't text, just call. And he's like, "No, that's not what you do." And what I call my son. You think somebody died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not yeah, I mean, listen, we're trying. We're, but send us an email because we're old-fashioned. We're old-fashioned. I mean, we're not asking you to send us a snail mail letter. Yeah, no. Although, oh, my God, wouldn't that be amazing? It would be fun. It's okay. Don't we'll, do that. Well, they can't. They don't know where we are. I know. And we ain't telling nobody. No, for the best. Mm -hmm. So anyway, social media, Instagram. And, uh, no, no, I'm not giving you my personal email. <laughs> <laughs> murder murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com I think we should each have an email that says murder.ann murder.karen no anyway that's our email yeah and then we've got Instagram we've got Twitter and we've got Facebook sugarcoated murder podcast find us you can find us say hey join us the best thing that people could do right now is to make sure that they've subscribed on whatever platform that they listen to so that you never miss an episode. But then also leave us a five-star rating. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. That really helps bump bump us up in the visibility. Yeah, I like to be bumped up. And we can't be we number get... one and only Jamaica and Trinidad. We need, <laughs> we're not we even number one in Jamaica and Trinidad. We were very close. For, <laughs> we were like in the 60s for a minute in Vietnam, but then we fell <laughs> off. Like we went up 60 and then down 60 the next day. Like, so they said no. And they were like, that was a mistake. Mm. Sorry, we misspelled something we met mutter <laughs> yeah so that was um short-lived but if you when you leave us a rating even if you just rate each episode you don't have to do a long review i mean we would love a long review for everyone except not if it's ugly but like a five-star rating every time you listen to an episode just hit those five stars yeah do it and it really helps us so just do it anyway and we've got a book coming out y'all so just be on the lookout we hope that y'all are going to read it and that you're going to like it because it's just the first. Yeah. I'm just going to put it right out there. There you go. It's just the first. And we should have more news about our book coming out soon. Yeah. We'll, so we'll as we you know, you'll know. Yes. All right, guys. We love the hell out of you. We sure do. Mama, this has been Sugar Coated Murder you. Podcast. Bye. A deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.